You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm going to be talking with Joey Shiver, a.k.a. Dub Mentality. We're going to spend a good amount of time talking about collecting, what he likes to collect, and we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about content creation. That's something that more and more people are getting into, and Dub has had some great experience going from amateur blogger to now a regular contributor to Beckett. So I thought you might enjoy hearing about how he got his start, how he went about building his reputation and getting exposure to his work, and how he went about developing and continuing to grow. We'll get into it after this. Starstock is a new trading card marketplace which is preparing to go live in April. Their goal is to be a faster and cheaper solution to sell cards and they're looking for sellers who want to be some of the first to have their cards available for sale at launch. I'm going to be testing the platform with my own submission. They're offering a 5% sales commission with no other submission or processing fees. You send in your cards and they do all the work. Cards are insured and stored in a vault, and you can have your cards shipped to you at any time. You'll be able to buy, store, or flip cards at the push of a button. If you're interested in learning more about getting involved as a seller and getting your cards onto the site for launch, contact Mike Kuchera via email at mike at starstock.com. They're looking for sellers who have rookie and prospect cards of current players for the major sports. For more details, contact Mike Kuchera at mike at starstock.com or go to www.starstock.com. All right, welcome back from that break, and today we get to talk to another hobby legend. Joey Shiver is joining us, a.k.a. Dub Mentality. Welcome to the show, Joey. Hey, Mike. appreciate you having me. Uh, Hobby legend is a little bit of a stretch, but uh, I do enjoy my my presence on Twitter with with all you guys. I appreciate being on the show. I consider you one of the uh, one of the bright minds in the hobby, and enjoy your podcast. and And I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I think uh, the the term hobby legend is becoming one of those uh, inside jokes, maybe between some of us that are yeah. are uh, friends with the, the about the cards guys and things like that. That that seems to be what what term gets thrown around for for all of us as we interact with each other, and it's kind all of right. fun. So, yeah. Um. I thought we could just talk a little bit about some of your background in the hobby and the, some of the things that you're involved in from a hobby perspective and, and kind of just see where the, the conversation goes today. So maybe for for some of the folks out there who may not be as familiar with you, maybe we can just start with your background in collecting. How did you get started and, and that type of thing? Sure. Um, I really began, <clears throat> I guess collecting uh i was a gatherer uh for a little while uh because you know when i was a kid growing up in the 80s i'm uh, 43 uh growing up in the 80s you know we got cards and boxes of cereal and and uh, all sorts of things so i mean i had cards laying around my house but i really started collecting in 1988 um i was in the uh, seventh grade and and uh, well sorry sixth grade i got my first actual card that I that I consider a part of my collection in the fifth grade, but I started buying 
or having my parents buy around the sixth, seventh grade. Um, the first card I ever got though that I remember for my collection was the the Ozzy Smith rookie. Um, at the time, it was uh, it was only like six years old, but it, it still felt like a really old card to me. And uh, I traded a, a WWF action figure for it on the playground at school because um, I really liked Ozzy Smith um, growing up. In the South, we had two channels uh, that we could watch, like like a lot of people, I guess, pro- probably TBS and WGN. And uh, I watched the uh, Braves and the Cubs, and I had uh, just a select few players that were on other teams that I really like, and Ozzy was one of those. So um, it was pretty cool, and I think that's what what got me really excited. And you know, then I, I the, the hobby itself took off. You know, in 87, 88, and the, the quote-unquote junk wax era hit. Um, and I collected I collected up through 98, 99, um, to my early 20s. And uh, like a lot of people, it took a little bit of a, a time away from the hobby to, to do what young 20-year-olds do, which is, you know, doesn't have anything to do with cardboard typically. But uh, came back around. Um, probably 2008, 2009, and uh, really, you know, just kind of collected them, you know, for myself uh, during those years. Uh, a lot of my friends that I'd grown up with, we had either moved to different towns or, or whatever, but uh, found the uh, Twitter hobby, uh, a Twitter community around 2016, and, and, you know, that was when things were really starting to take off again, and so I just uh, jumped in and and uh, taking the ride with everybody else. Um, I, uh, I do enjoy writing. Uh, that's something I did as, as a kid. I, I picked up um, kind of what I like to write about is uh, stories from my childhood and, and tying that into cards. But I think I picked that up from reading uh, Louis Grizzard growing up. Um, he's, a, he's a Southern writer, but he, you know, he worked for the AJ, AJC, Atlanta Journal, Journal Constitution. He covered sports. But he also wrote books about uh, his childhood and, and funny stories and things like that. And I got in trouble a lot in school for reading those books instead of reading my textbooks. Um, but uh, that's kind of how the writing and baseball cards got mashed together. Um, you know, at the time, blogging was a big, big thing. Podcasts were were few and far between. Um and so uh, I, I hit the blogging scene and, and wrote about my life and, and the cards that meant things to me and, and found a, a real uh, uh, good community of, of people that that are just like me, that, that collected during those times, like the same players, remember the hot rookies that fizzled, uh, you know, all, all those types of things. And, and you know, just kind of grown into the community here and, and rekindled what I had as a, as a kid, because, you know, like I said, I collected a lot over the years, but it's that interaction that you have with other people, the, the trading, the, the comparing players, the trash talking teams, you know, stuff like that. It sure. really makes the hobby fun. So, um, that's, that's a little bit of, uh, kind of how I got to where I'm at now. Um, I, uh, just started as a kid off and on through my twenties. And then, uh, back strong in the in the late 2000s and, and been here ever since so so did you write much in that first phase of collecting you know were you were you capturing those 
thoughts did you journal as a kid you know before that or did the did the writing really come into play kind of at the same time as you returned in the you know 2008 2009 era well i i i wrote as a kid i journaled as a kid um not everything was about baseball cards um i wrote stories um <clears throat> i was i had a very uh i was very uh imaginative as a kid um i liked horror movies i wrote stories make created my own characters you know stuff like that and um i uh i remember when i really it was just a, it, it never really it was just something that i did it never i re never really thought about it being a thing until uh, when I was in college, um, my, uh, my, my scene, my, my term paper, one of my term papers to, uh, to graduate my lit class, I wrote about the 1991 world series, um, and really, uh, how the, the, what I thought the series boiled down to a base running mistake by Lonnie Smith. And, and I wrote a, like a six or seven page term paper on that. And, and aced it, and my my lit teacher was like, you you should really think about doing this, and and so I I had a I have a job, I have a nine to five, but um it, it kind of gave me that push to to continue to do it, and I blogged, you know, myself about personal things before I really integrated the cards into the blogging, but um you know I played around with different subjects, different topics, and um. I really enjoyed when I started writing about the cards that that I had as a kid. It was it was natural storytelling then for me because, you know, these stories were real and and it was uh it took me back to uh, when when life was a little bit uh, less hectic and and responsibilities were a little less heavy. Sure. Why why do you think you enjoy writing so much? I like to say I I think I I, I don't know that. You know, I'm not uh, saying that uh, I'm bright or anything, but I've always had, I've always had, you know, imagination, and um, it's just something that that you know I think a lot. Uh, some things are 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 off the wall, but I, you know, I, writing for me has always been a way to communicate. And and you know, I was even with my wife, I've always been better at writing. Uh, um, uh, a, a card for her birthday or, or an anniversary and telling her how I feel than I am just saying it. And so um, I've always just been better with a pen than I have with my own words. And so it's it's um, it gives me a chance to to put my thoughts on paper and to really explore some things that it, it just makes me think about things that I, I otherwise might not think about as I'm writing. I just get going and I kind of get in this zone and and all these things pop into my head from when I was a kid and I think of what what fits in and what doesn't and, and I just think it keeps me active um, mentally uh, just just processing all of that stuff but I've just been better always writing my feelings as opposed to uh, speaking them out loud so I guess that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely comes through in your work. You know, you're known as as one of the the highest quality card bloggers that are that are out there, which is, you know, I think really saying something because there's a lot of them. I'm just curious too on, you know, as you started 
you, you said you you wrote as a kid and you started to to pivot and write about cards, you know, upon your return. And it's something that you've always had a connection to. I'm curious, were there things that you've done to help you grow as a writer? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things is, is reading other people's work, honestly. Um, there's a lot of bloggers that I that I you know, look up to and, and appreciate uh, what they do. Some of the things that they they put into their um, into their thought process. I've always enjoyed uh, Night Owl cards, um, Mount uh, Saint Fuji, Mount Fuji, San Jose Fuji. Sorry, I can't ever remember that. <laughs> San Jose Fuji. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, Ken's Ken Kinsley's got a blog role, and and I read a lot of people's blogs, and and uh, I kind of learned over the years what you know, especially when it comes to some of the ancillary things like uh, photo qualities in your in your blog posts and, and sure. um, what what is too long for people to read and what is what it you know different things like that and my, my subject matter has always been kind of unique to me but um, just some of the uh, parameters of of forming forming something that is is digestible. Uh, and I still think I'm a little on the long side for people. Um, I, I, I put a lot of uh, of memories and, and pre-card talk in my blogs. Uh, but I have people, the reason I do that is I have I have people who read my blog that, that read it before I was writing about cards. And they and they enjoyed uh, what I was writing about. So I've kind of meshed the two together and and they work together well because they I always try to tie things in together. If I'm writing about 1990 upper deck then I'm going to talk about something that was going on in my life in 1990. Um, and uh, fortunately, I haven't run out of things. I guess that's probably not a good thing as a kid. I probably got into too many things and, and did too many things I shouldn't have been doing. But, um, you know, it's I haven't run out of things to talk about as a kid yet, but I know why I, I will one day. But um, made a lot of memories here on Twitter uh, with, with guys, too. So I start, start incorporating some of that as well. But um, you know, I've learned a lot from different different people, uh, different blogs. But I, like I say, I think my original, uh, if, if, if you've ever read Louis Grizzard, you, you probably see a lot of his work in what I try to do. Um, and because he, he just writes about his childhood and teen years and, and all the things that he got into. And, and, and I've got all his books and, and I, that's just where my style came from. Yeah, I think that is is one of the things that I enjoy about it so much is you get to see that connection between the cards and your own personal experiences and your memories. And, you know, when we talk, we have these card conversations with people and we ask why they're collecting cards and why they enjoy cards. Almost every single person, part of that answer is because it brings back memories from their youth, right? Right. But your blogs help connect those stories and bring that out for you. You know, anybody can write about a particular set and give the stats and the figures. Um, and that's all, there's only so much that you can say about the details of a set, but each of us have a unique experience or a unique story or connection to those cards and those sets and getting a chance to, to see that and experience that and hear that from you, I think is one of those things that really brings out, um, and makes, makes your stuff interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, really 
to to what you're saying there. I mean, it, I'm sitting here. I've got my Ron Gant stack here because before we had our call, I was just putting some stuff that I uh, got in a mail day together. Um, and for me, you know, collectors today or, or younger collectors or people that didn't go through the the junk wax area, you know, they, they there's there's not really an appreciation there for it. Um, for the most part, it's coming back a little bit. But um, for me, you know, I mean, I can see a, a 1990, you know, King Griffey Jr. tops and, and, and I don't just see this 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 cardboard. It, it, it brings back it floods back, you know, me sitting in a lunchroom and trading with somebody and trying to get that card because it was the one to get. Or it takes me back to, you know, an elite. I never pulled an elite out of a pack, but I, I had one of my best friends did. And um, I, I remember that day. I remember, you know, how cool that was and how jealous I was. It was a $100 card in Beckett. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, there's it just it just means something. I, I collect modern cards, too. I mean, I, I, I buy I buy a lot of the hot stuff. You know, I look for Zion when I when I find it. I try to find, you know, Otani's, whatever. Um, I, I enjoy card collecting, but I don't think I would enjoy it as much as I do if I didn't have such a connection with with my childhood with those cards. Um, I, I don't know that I would be a a guy who just started collecting in 2017 because of Aaron Judge. You know what I mean? Um, sure. It, it was easier for me to it's easier for me to enjoy these times with the hobby booming again because I feel like I was such a part of a big boom earlier, you know, right. Um, it, it was, it was, it was big when we were kids. I mean, it right. was, it was huge um, for better or worse. Um, but it, you know, the cards for me, um, they just have a, they just have a, a certain place in my life that, that is different than anything else that I have. It's the, it's the one thing that I had, when I was 10 that I still have. And so that they've been with me, you know, for the majority of my life. And, and that means something to me. So um, that's, that's kind of where, where my ideas and, and th- subjects come from. Well, another big part of that boom from when we were kids is Beckett. You know, they were the hobby Bible at that time. Right. And for the last year or so, you've started to become a contributor to Beckett and and have some articles and some work published in the magazine. Tell me a little bit about how did that come about? Well, um, it's it, first of all, it's it's I still pinch myself when I see anything in Beckett with my name on it because there, before I read Louis Grizzard, I read Rich Klein. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I read I read those magazines from cover to back the hot list, the, the readers write, you know, everything you could read. The back 10 pages almost were card shows all over the country. I mean, it's how big it was. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, it is the magazine of my youth. It was it was that and Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, when I came back into the hobby, I'm sorry, when I when I got into the Twitter community in uh 2016 um i i had written a, a blog post called gems of the junk wax era which is still my my most viewed blog post <laughs> uh, on my in my library 
Uh, okay. People still read it today for some reason. It pops up, I guess, when you Google junk wax. But um, and then uh, uh, when I wrote that, uh, Ken Kinsley Bean Bean's Ball Card blog shared it, and it, it just started kind of rippling through, and people were commenting, and I was I was seeing this big boost of traffic, and um, I was really thankful for Ken, and we became friends, um, and and Ken is good friends with Eric Norton, and and um, Eric. Eric and I started communicating. Eric had a blog that was not, was not card related, uh, but we got to talking about things. We became friends, and um, you know, Eric's with with Beckett, and um, you know, I, I just I, the door opened. Um, Eric advocated for me. He enjoyed my work, um, and at the time, uh, I started writing uh, some interviews with with card shops. That was sort of the first thing I did with Beckett, and and they 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 said they'd give me a shot. They you know, let's let's start with some interviews with with card shop owners, and we'll do those online. You know, they'll be on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, you know, let's just see how that goes. You know, and so we uh, put some stuff together. Over the time, was becoming friends with Ryan Cracknell, um, uh, friends with the uh, couple of the editors. You know, just just this and that, and. And the opportunity came up. They they asked me if I wanted to do a little more, and and I told them uh, I'd love to. And so they asked for a few ideas, and I had a few ideas. I bounced them around. I had a list of about four or five things I could write about, and and the one that stuck was was the junk wax journey, is what it's called now, and it, it's really right in my wheelhouse. It's me mm-hmm. talking about, you know, some of the sets that that were popular in the late eighties and, and early nineties. And I, I think, you know, personally, yeah, I think we have a lot as a hobby to owe that we owe to those, to those sets. Um, there wouldn't be a, I don't think there'd be a, a boom now if there hadn't been a boom then, you know, that this cards were, were an afterthought, um, you know, to a lot of people before 1987 tops came out. Um, yep. and so, uh, I, I, as corny as it may sound, I, I have a reverence for for that era. Um, I used the word junk wax. I used the term junk wax era with endearment. I know some people don't like it. I don't consider any of them junk, but uh, that's what that's what I call it. That's a that's a a short way to say eighty seven to ninety four. <laughs> um, yep. But you know, I, I wrote a I wrote a couple uh, pieces about some some junk wax sets. And they got published and uh, got a lot of good feedback and started getting emails from from readers and, and kind of felt like one of the gang at Beckett. And um, and it's just kind of blossomed from there. Um, I, I write monthly uh, a junk wax piece and then I write a weekly interview with a shop owner. We rotate between the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we, we started doing Canada uh, last year. And so. One week a U.S. article of print, and the next week a, a Canadian shop of print. So that's that's kind of how I got in, and it's all been a whirlwind, kind of a, a dream come true for for me and for any real collector. You know, the the things that that I wanted to be was a car shop owner and or a or a writer for Beckett, and, and one of those came true for me. There you go, and there's still time for the second one at some point. You never know. You're right. Um, one of the other things I think that comes along with 
that increased presence. And, um, you know, you mentioned getting into Twitter in 2015, 2016. You're talking about now some of the interaction that you're having with other readers that have discovered you um, as you've been published in Beckett. It seems like some of the things that go hand in hand with being a content creator is that social media presence and, and kind of becoming the a, a public figure with that. And so I was just curious, you know, you've got a pretty strong Twitter following and you'd been blogging for several years before before that even happened. How much intentionality did you have around your online presence as it as it pertains to um, helping boost traffic to the blog and and that type of thing was was intentionally growing your online presence a, a part of your strategy or is that just a byproduct of of the writing itself well it, it started it certainly started intentional you know with intention um when 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 i when the gems of the junk wax era piece kind of blew up for me you know um you know, I started getting a lot of followers, starting to get a lot of people that wanted to talk about those sets. Um, it led me to follow people that were already in the hobby, in the community that were well respected. And, and, and we, we had this, you know, great discussion and, and it's become more organic at this point. But in, in the beginning, you know, my, my intention was to try to get as many eyes on, on the work as I could. And, and um, I, I did a lot of different things to try to do that. I, you know, I, I would give away some of the cards that are that were in the in the blog post. I would I would give away some some packs from from that era, you know, w whatever the case may be, to try to get more eyes on on the work. And and that has become for me. I mean, I don't think you ever stop trying to promote your work, but it has become more organic at this point because. Um, as you know, and, and, and a lot of guys who, who are now podcasting and, you know, if, if you if you if you are who you are, you're honest, you're 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 willing to, to communicate back with people. You answer questions to the best of your knowledge and you, you're, you just make yourself available. Then you become somebody that that people will look to to discuss things and I don't I don't know everything but mo what people have learned is that if I don't I can refer them to Ryan Cracknell or I can refer yeah. them to you or I can refer them to you know Big Chef or, or, or whatever the case may be um, you know it, it, it's it, it's been kind of a weird process but in, in, in you know short answer is in the beginning yes I was very intentional of trying to get as many eyes as I could on the on the on the work um, but at this point, the eyes on the work has become secondary a little bit to what I feel like is the quality that I try to put into it because, you know, I've, I've got eyes on it. And, and as I have eyes on it, the, more, the better quality, the more eyes you get. So um, it's not really uh, the, the blog is not a business for me. It, it led into uh, something I know you like to talk about a lot, uh, self-sustaining hobby. It led into me writing um for for pay that has yeah. helped me sustain the hobby um and of course that work I, I promote as much as i can but uh the blog has has become you know kind of my sanctuary to just do what i want to do write what i want to write and um and put put more of my 
if you read my Beckett stuff and you read my, my blog, you will see more of my personal stuff, obviously, on the blog. Um, for Beckett, I just really kind of talk about the, the sets and the time frame and, and why these sets were popular and, and some of the big cards in the set and things like that. But um, I, I, I believe social media is a huge part of, of anybody's exposure today. It, it's, it's an obvious necessary thing. Uh, but, you know, my intention has changed over time, I guess. Um, I was I was trying to get followers in the beginning and realized that at some point, you know, the, the number of followers was was less important than the quality of the followers. Um, not to say that any of the followers are not a quality, but, you know, the ones that will interact with you and the ones that will um, that will actually read and will actually have thoughts, you know, to provide you feedback and things like that. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, I think it's a, a challenge. I found it a challenge as I was getting started a couple of years ago, first with the the blog and then, you know, ultimately some of the other, um, you know, on Twitter or wherever it might be, finding that balance between getting the exposure to the work that you're trying to put out and the quality, right? Like yeah. quality is foundational. You have to have good quality, but if nobody knows about it, you can, you could be the best writer ever, but if nobody knows about it, nobody sees it, it doesn't do anything. You know, right. it doesn't, it doesn't gain any traction. And so getting eyeballs on it helps, but ultimately you can run all the promotions, you can get, build all the, the following that you want, but if you're not putting out quality content, it's going to go away and it's going to go away quickly. And so trying to find that balance of getting exposure to your content that you're creating but at the same time, making sure that what you're creating is is good quality content is a is a delicate line to walk. It takes both, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and you know, if you get the eyes and and you're not producing the quality, you're you're not, you know, you're you're not going to keep them, like you said. And so you know, I, I what I hope to have done is is honed a little bit of the quality while I had 12 people read my blog, you know, my mom and some of her friends or whatever, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. um, I worked a lot on my writing when I'm not a lot of people were reading it because, you know, it's what I, it's, it's what I enjoy doing. It was, it's a passion for me. It's, uh, I don't write to have people acknowledge me or to right. have people, uh, you know, recognize me or whatever the case may be. I, I write, because that is what brings me happiness and, yep. and the cards bring me happiness. But I try to do it to the best of my ability and remember now that there are people reading. And so I need to, I need to be sure that what I'm putting out there is, is accurate. It makes sense. It, it's not, you know, a jumbled mess in, in my mind, which is what it starts as. But um, so, you know, the eyes came, came, you know, as I was honing the quality, but, but now for me, um, it's all about being accurate and, and because, you know, you never know who's reading there, who's knows going to try to take your advice or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, so I try to make sure that I'm accurate. I, I use resources, uh, you know, through Twitter, through Saber, you know, things like that. You just make sure everything's good. And, um, that, that is, I think the, the, the most important thing to me now. Um, and so you, you're right. There's a, there's a line there. There's a fine balance. Um, 
but uh, in the end, if, if the quality's not there, you're, you're getting eyes for nothing. So. You also just mentioned um, having a desire to try to have a self-sustaining hobby, and some of the, the writing now can is helping contribute to that. You know, one of the things I talk about is kind of combining both the hobby and the business sides of collecting. And so I always like to talk with people about, you know, how much selling do you do or, or what part of your overall collecting process is buying and selling as opposed to just building things for your own personal collection? Well, I, I would say that I buy more than I sell, which is is uh, not what my wife likes. <laughs> but um, I, I buy more than I sell. Um, the, the, the way I kind of look at my collection is I, I'll build a set every year, whether it be tops or opening day or, or heritage, I'll pick something and I'll, I'll build it. Um, but I spend a lot of my set oriented time working on old stuff because there's so much out there. There's so many variations of things. There's so many. I'm working on this 91 tops project right now. That's just overwhelming. Um, I, I, I wish I'm so glad that I'm working on it, but I wish I had never heard about it from David Wright, that long fly <laughs> ball on Twitter because it's consumed my life. But um, what I do with modern cards uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I'll open a box of, of prism football. I'm going to stick away the Georgia guys Um if I pull up something nice, you know, I'll sell it. And if I pull some other base or inserts or, or, or you know, an, an autograph that's not worth $250, I'll trade it with some friends in exchange for some other Braves or Georgia or Falcons stuff, you know. Sure. So I, I, I sustain the, the hobby is sustained for me, self-sustainable through writing, through trading. I get what I need to, to trade away things that I, that I don't. And then, I do sell, but it's not a it's not a prominent part of of what I do. Um, I I admire you guys that do that. Um, I, I don't know that I have the 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 knowledge to do what you guys do. I know you're big into Com C mm -hmm. and Sports Lot and things things like that, and I'm I'm on those things. But um, I I just I, I've I've always been more of a a, a collector than a seller but things might be different if if i weren't getting paid in other ways so i mean i, sure. I, I might would be treating the hobby a little differently from a selling standpoint uh but I, I i give away a lot of stuff in exchange for things that i want you know that's you know what we did as kids trading but right. um I, I do sell um you know i pulled a um a zion hollow out of optic i'll have no problem selling that uh, just finding the right time to do that. I pulled a Baker Mayfield all of last year, sold it. Um, but I have not reached the point yet where I've, I've found, um, I don't know if it's time or what it is to sell, you know, to sell more base cards. I'd like to do that eventually, but I'd like to send a package to come see. I'd like to, you know, but I'm, I'm writing almost every day through, through either the blog working on an interview with a uh, with a, a, a shop owner or working on the junk wax piece that I've got to turn into Beckett. It's, it, and so that has become, you know, consuming enough to a point to where 
you know, between that and my nine to five job, um, I just haven't been able to get to sell as much as, as I guess what a lot of people do. Um, I do know there's some money to be made in selling cars. Um, and that's, that's a wonderful part of the hobby. Um, and, and if you can find a way to, to enjoy the hobby that you love with it costing you very little in the end to do so, uh, I recommend that everybody, <laughs> whatever yeah. that may be, whether you get, whether you get paid to write, whether you get paid as a podcaster, whether you get, you know, whether you send lots or, or, I mean, you found a way to do a lot of it. And, and, yep. and like I say, you're, you're, when I said in the beginning, you're, you're one of the guys I consider, uh, the, one of the bright, bright minds in the hobby right now, because, you know, if I, if I need to know anything about selling or, or if I want to figure out how something works on, on, you know, sports lots, I, I will pop on your podcast and listen to what you've got to say about it because, you know, it's, I don't know enough about it. And so that's where I go to the resources that, that do. And, and I'm trying to learn a little bit about it. Um, and, and, and we'll probably dabble in that, but, um, up to this point, selling has not been a, as big of a part of the hobby for me as trading and, and collecting and writing. Sure. Well, what advice do you have for somebody who's considering whether or not they should start writing or creating any content for that matter, whether it be YouTube or a podcast or whatever? Do you, do you have any advice for somebody who's thinking about getting started with that? My, my first piece of advice uh, is, and this is, this is, I guess, in anything that I try to do, don't do something because somebody else is doing it and they're being successful. Do something because you like it. Um, if you if you really enjoy what you're doing, whether that's writing, if you enjoy writing, start writing. And 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 if two people read it, two people read it. But you're doing what you enjoy. Um, if you enjoy podcasting uh, by yourself with a group, you know, do that. Um, don't do things, you know, with an expectation that. Okay, if I just do this, then this will follow. Um, because it, if if you if you don't, the people that I've enjoyed in the hobby, I've seen the passion that they have for it. They're not here to to profit, and and um, not everybody's here to profit. They're not here to profit off of something that they don't enjoy doing. I guess is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. And so the first thing is. Pick something that you enjoy doing. If, if, if you don't like writing, you know, don't don't try to start a blog and right. show pictures of cards just because, you know, it, it, it gets exposure. If, if you're you know, if you don't if you're not tech savvy or, or don't know how to do a podcast, don't don't just decide one day, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Um, you know, it, it's 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 one of those things where you just follow Man, I'm corny today. Follow your heart. You know, if 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 you have a passion for something, then then just do your best at it and 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 try to promote that. Yep. If if you are a writer, promote your writing. Um, if you are a podcaster, promote your podcasting. If you are a, a card artist, promote your art. Um, and, and focus on those things. Um, I. Collecting cards is one of those things that 
just the collecting part can spread you so thin where you stop you stop enjoying it i mean there's 40 card releases in baseball and there's 40 in football and there's 40 mm-hmm. in basketball and every set has 50 variations and every set has you know autograph chases and, and you know if it's so easy to get lost in this in this hobby right now um if you don't have a focus and um i think that goes that goes along with uh what i'm doing my focus is is on my writing and and what the hobby and the hobby as a part of my writing um part of what i do uh to to which went to a previous question part of what i do to to keep eyes on the dub mentality um is is i open packs on periscope or i open Mm -hmm. you know i do i do my youtube channel i'm not a youtube specialist so i'm not out there pumping my youtube channel but it is an ancillary part of what I, I try to do overall to get people to to trust me um, to uh, become someone that I communicate with, and that leads really to ultimately to my writing. And and you know you just have to be intent. And I think these are great buzzwords: intentional on what you want to do, be focused, but ultimately. Do something that you enjoy. I mean, if, if, if you're a flipper, be a flipper. If you're a, if you're a blogger, be a blogger. You know, right. whatever it is that you like, do it as if nobody were watching you do it. Um, and, and if you do it well or do it from your heart, do it with passion, people will, will start paying attention to it because that's what, you know, social media is, is, um, if you find real people on social media, they're, they're generally people that you gravitate towards. Um, and that's that's kind of the way I've, I've grown uh, is is I, I communicate and, and, you know, enjoy interaction with people that I know are are doing what they love. And they're, they're they have a, you can just see the passion that they have. I mean, it's easy to see with you. I mean, you've created a brand that. Um, you're not flying by the seat of your pants. You're intentional about whatever, everything that you do. And it's plain to see. And, um, that's, that's, that's what I gravitate towards. And that's what I would recommend to people who are looking to, however they want to make a name for themselves in the hobby, um, to do the same. I think that is some, some great advice. Um, where, can people get a hold of you? What's the what's the best way for people to connect and and see the the content that you're creating? Well, my my biggest presence is on Twitter um, and at this at Dub Mentality. Uh, my blog page is also uh, DubMentality.com. My YouTube channel is Dub Mentality. So if you just search for Dub Mentality, uh, you're likely to find me. Um, the only place that I'm, I'm um, I guess me is like Instagram. So, um, I don't have a dub mentality Instagram page, but, um, you can find me anywhere. Just searching dub mentality. And, and I'm, I'm in, um, you know, I'm in Beckett. If you search their page and want to read something I've written, you can just search my name in Beckett. And, um, I, I appreciate anybody who takes the time to read what I write. Uh, again, I do it for me, uh, but it, it's it's a blessing and 
humbling to know that, that a lot of people do read it and and have the same thoughts and have the same memories and have you know the you know we we all have these these commonalities that that we didn't know we have and it, you know it's 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 opened up a big world for me where I'm talking to somebody in Illinois and I'm friends with people in Texas I'm friends with people in California um, it's just been a it's been a real blessing for me and a treat to to be uh, doing what I'm doing and and I don't take that for granted it could go away tomorrow but um, I appreciate everybody who who has been along for the ride and I appreciate you having me Mike. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on, and it's it's been a, a great conversation. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got a chance to to capture it um, for the the listeners to hear. Uh, I think we covered a lot of a lot of great things. And um, thanks again for coming on. Okay, thank you, Mike. Wow. If you are a content creator, I think there are some great takeaways that Dub had for you as you pursue your passion, as you develop your craft, as you intentionally try to get better and be true to who you are and tell your story. And so thanks again to Joey for coming on today. And thank you for listening and thanks for sticking around to the end. I want to encourage you to also check out the Hobby Hotline. That's our live call-in show that we do every Saturday morning. Check it out at Hobby Hotline on Twitter to find out more. And I would appreciate any feedback that you've got for me or that you've got for Joey. Uh, Reach out at waxpackhero at gmail.com or follow me at TheMikeSummer on Twitter and let me know what you think of the show. I'd really appreciate it. Take a second to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. I'd appreciate that as well, and I will catch you next time.